This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, it's Thursday, the 11th of January, 2024. I'm Alex von Tanzelman and I'm suspending my presidential campaign. <laughs> Did any of you even remember I was running? No. Yes. Yes. yes, we were fully behind Thank you. Thank you. Four more minutes. Four <laughs> more minutes. <laughs> Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review. Every weekday, we get up before dawn, fire up Eye of the Tiger, and put ourselves through a gruelling training montage with the British press. <laughs> Let's pummel the Guardian like a punching bag. Bench press the Sunday Times in its 45 separate sections. Run up all the steps in town just to find a copy of the Daily Star. <laughs> We're out every weekday. Get in shape and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Going postal. Will there be justice for sub-postmasters or is it still too little too late? Eaton full of turds shock. (laughs) Posh private school tells rich kids to stay away after the sewers back up. And women know your place. Thursday is We Hate Women Day in the features sections. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we haven't been to the gym yet in 2024 and no amount of resolutions will make us go. I'm Alex von Tanzelman and with me today is Podmasters head honcho and fellow exercise refuse Nick, Andrew Harrison. Good morning. Check out these pipes. Yeah. Woo. woo he's hench. And my boss. Also joining us is comedian and aspirational boxer Marcus Brigstock. Went to the gym yesterday, actually. Oh, Thank you very much. Which is why I made that noise I made when I sat down. (laughs) (laughs) So what have we got on the front pages today, Andrew? Well, unsurprisingly, it's all uh, post office all the time. The Guardian, hundreds of post office victims to get convictions overturned. Sunak tells Commons law will acquit all found guilty in Horizon scandal. Senior lawyers, by this is an interesting angle that's coming out in a lot of the papers. Senior lawyers issue warning over danger of undermining judiciary because if you pass a law that simply exonerates an entire class of people they may fully deserve it but you are setting a precedence and mm. all the other papers have points on this as well at times deliverance for postmasters ho ho do you see oh, what they did yes. there yes, finally a, a justifiable put on this hor- horrible horrible story lots of quash hundreds of convictions there's still work to do says Mr Bates former boss may have to return 2.2 million pounds elsewhere on the Times front page you have why women fall out of love with their husbands a little bit more on that later the I Pressure grows to punish post office scandal firm as victims will be cleared again. The exoneration and compensation system. MPs call for pause on Fujitsu being awarded new government contracts and for it to pay compensation to victims of what PM calls one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in our history. And the Telegraph's angle on this 
is that post office handed out bonuses for convictions. There was a cash incentive to prosecute the sub-postmasters. Mr Bates, who is a central character in ITV's Mr Bates versus the post office, said last night, the post office seems to have had a bonus culture running right through it. They also report that Fujitsu has been awarded £4.9 billion of government contracts since the 2019 legal ruling that found its software was at fault. Elsewhere on the Telegraph front page, Nikki Haley, the rising star who could be America's first female president. In your fever dreams, the Daily Telegraph. Really not. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Okay, Marcus, how are the tabloids looking? Yes. Okay, so I've got the Daily Mail. £75,000 deal sparks new battle with post office victims. Sunak changes law to quash convictions, but Rao looms over out-of-touch offer for those not charged uh, but whose lives were destroyed. I mean, it is endlessly complicated how on earth people will be compensated. But the big story that the Mail are having a really good go at later on, and the Telegraph as well, is that a lot of this was Keir Starmer's fault. It was all Keir Starmer. <laughs> Every, Ned, Ned Davey. All yes. but mostly. I mean, he was in charge of the CPS and this involved something to do with the law. So we're pretty sure it was mostly him. Mm. Uh, the Sun have got a story that I, uh, I'm deeply invested in. Wife dumps cheat Kyle. Uh, City Ace kicked out. Now, I thought that meant it was someone who worked in the city, but it's not. I think he plays for... I thought it meant Jeremy Kyle. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) This is a chap who plays for Manchester City. And for people who support Manchester City, this will be a very important story. For me, it's baffling. Okay. Still, holes from £9.50. I think that's not enough to pay for a holiday, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) I think if you pay £9.50 for a holiday and it turns out to be shit, that's on you. Kyle Walker can go on a £9.50 holiday and cheer himself up. Love rat. Exactly. (laughs) Or just make things even worse. (laughs) The Mirror, Mr Bates, it's not enough. Campaign hero's verdict as PM clears postmasters with compo offer. And the star, proud to love animals, uh, are (laughs) campaigning for it to be Sir Bates. Sir Mr. Bates. Sir, Sir Mr. Bates. Bates. Yeah. Sir Alan Bates. Isn't there already an out Sir Alan Bates? There somewhere? is an already. I think there already, might be, already. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The Daily Star today demands post office hero Alan Bates be knighted for his fight for justice. Well, I'm sure they do that because that won't cost them anything. Yeah, exactly. Now, after moving slowly for years, the story of the incredible injustice done to sub-postmasters is suddenly getting a move on. There have been quite dramatic developments today, haven't there, Andrew? Yeah, as we've just mentioned, something of an unprecedented move by the government to give a blanket exoneration and compensation uh, to people who've been convicted or are in a process of, of, of appealing. Hundreds of post office operators have their convictions quashed by Parliament. The scheme is that there'll be an upfront offer of £600,000 or they'll be allowed to proceed with a more detailed assessment of, in, in case they're owed more by way of compensation. There's a separate group litigation of people who've already received some money. They're going to be offered £75,000 each. And it has been reported that the bill of at least £450 million will be footed by the taxpayer. However, as we've just mentioned, Fujitsu have made a few quid uh, since mm. the beginning of this um, this scandal. And, uh, you know, there are very loud calls for that uh, Fujitsu should be covering the cost of this, should be paying back some of the fees it's earned since the faults in the Horizon software were discovered. If the statutory inquiry to the saga finds the scale of the incompetence is as we might imagine said Minister uh, Alex Jark ministers will want to secure proper recompense on behalf of the taxpayers so I wouldn't want to be Fujitsu right now 
No, I think you called it earlier Fujitsu Jiu-Jitsu. They are playing Fujitsu they Jiu-Jitsu. They may have a right fight now. on their hands. Yeah. I, I really do think that this aspect of the of the blanket legislation is really ticklish because nobody will want to go against it right now. It's going to be like a dangerous dog's act. Yeah. What kind of person is going to stand up in Parliament and say, I don't think this is a good thing? But in the Times, Lord MacDonald, who's a former director of public prosecutions, uh, says it's constitutionally very awkward. It would mean that some people who are in fact guilty will be exonerated. That's the price the government is prepared to pay and I think it's a political judgment. Now it's going to be a brave person who's going to stand up and say actually some of these people actually are guilty mm. but when the miscarriage of justice has been so egregious and it's a long time since we've seen a firestorm of anger like this the country mm-hmm. is outraged and disgusted and it really does show the power of of, of, of TV as we might yeah. discuss in a minute. Yeah. Something big like this can, seems inevitable but bad laws are made in, are laws made in haste. Marcus, can we talk about that power of TV a little bit? Because one of the amazing aspects of this story has been reported for years and years brilliantly by yeah. a lot of people. But this the movement has started because of this ITV drama and it's not the first time that fiction has had more impact than fact, is it? It's not. I mean, it's worth saying ITV have played an absolute blinder mm. with this. It's quite a brave story to commission because it involves, you know, relative to their lives, huge amounts of money, but lots and lots of you know, when you compare it with, say, Baroness Moan, small Mm. amounts of money and lots and lots of people. And it's really, really complicated and really long running. So it's quite a brave commission. And they've nailed it. They've told the story brilliantly. The direction's fantastic. The acting is absolutely stunning. It's really clear without being sort of patronising. They've also launched it at the time of year when more people are watching what we call actual TV, you know, old school sort of uh, here's when it's on and you can watch it. So they've really nailed this. And I'm thrilled that that it's worked. You know, that it's caught people's imagination because it is really, really complicated. I've known about the post office thing in a bit of detail since we had some uh, people on Steph's Pack Lunch uh, on Channel 4 a year or so ago. And I was like, oh, my God, wow. And then you start scratching at it. You go, this is so, so complicated. So, yeah, they've done brilliantly. But, yeah, looking at other dramas and and programs that have sort of had an impact there aren't any that have had the impact that this has had i mean kathy come home mm-hmm. is the one that's been mentioned an awful lot and it's certainly engaged people's attention again brilliantly well told story but it didn't change anything is like that this entirely thing. true though because the hillsborough there's been more than one hillsborough drama and that really put impetus into the, the hillsborough campaign brought forward public inquiries and did i i, I yeah. think those shows did make a difference no i think there are loads of shows that have made a difference i mean if you think about the thick of it you know and that that, that was broadcast and oh. then the government were able simply to copy what they'd seen <laughs> and base base their entire operating system on, mm, on that. that. So, that, so there is yes. reach. These things do work. And actually, I was the Guardian have done a really good sort of collection of what are the things that have made an impact. One of the really big ones uh, is That's Life. Esther yeah. Ranson's That's mm, Life. Yeah. So uh, most comedians at one time or another have complained that playgrounds aren't proper anymore because there's not enough shattered glass at the end of the slide. <laughs> and uh, and what was wrong with getting pointy dog yeah. turds in your eyes? Bring back the witch's <laughs> yeah, hat. Exactly. Spinal injuries yeah, all yeah, round. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. But in fact, it was That's Life reporting and telling. They're really good at compelling stories. Esther and her team were so good at this telling compelling stories of kids getting really badly injured in a place that should be quite safe. And now we have 
bounce back playgrounds where yeah. children can fall off anything and just get straight back up again. Or drunk people. Or drunk people, yes. yeah. yeah, yeah. Broken into the park at midnight. Are you suggesting yeah. that more branches of Weatherspoon should have a sort of soft play <laughs> uh, area directly outside the front so that people tripping out the front of the pub could simply bounce back onto their feet? I think it's a very good idea, Marcus. Why not Why inside not? the Weatherspoon? The ones I've been to could use it inside. Yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of them do have bark on the ground, don't yeah. they? <laughs> so in case you, in case you go over. Uh, there was Care written by Jimmy McGovern. Mm. Uh, that was a big one, uh, Sheridan Smith and Alison Steadman were in that. That definitely caught people's attention. I think Channel 4 probably are looking at this going, but 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 Partygate, we made our Partygate oh. programme. And I think what it was is people were too angry already. But also people that. already knew Partygate. They knew it I think that's full true. well and yeah. Channel 4 wasn't breaking it. They, I found this whole Mr Bates versus the Post Office thing actually weirdly heartening because... Prior to it, the thing with the post office story was lots of us knew about it. Private Eye Radio 4, yeah. the kind of thing that people like us consume, mm. we knew about it. And the dispiriting, depressing thing that made you despair was nothing was happening. People were just ignoring it. Yeah, yeah. But what this has shown is like when you put it in front of Middle Britain, Middle Britain isn't just jaded and bored. Brit- Middle Britain isn't cynical. No, Middle, absolutely. Middle Britain sees this and yeah. goes, you bastards, how fucking dare you? Yeah. And, the, and it, it is the public who are leading the politicians and yeah. forcing them. There's no way that Rishi Sunak will be pulling out of his ear unprecedented legislation like this mm. if he didn't know that there was a metaphorical mob in the streets now demanding that something is done for yeah. this suppurating injustice. Hi, I'm Katie Riley. On the Slow Newscast from Tortoise... Donald Trump became the first former U.S. president in history to face a criminal trial. The defendant repeatedly made false statements on New York business records. This is not a trial. This is not an act of criminality. We cannot and will not normalize serious criminal conduct. This is the story of his first week in court told through the transcripts. Listen now to the Slow Newscast wherever you get your podcasts. Now to Eton College, alma mater of Boris Johnson, David Cameron, Prince William, Prince Harry. I mean, all the really well-adjusted people. Um, there's been a bit of a snafu, hasn't there, Andrew? Well, what there's been, there's been a very, very... Snafu. Yes, <laughs> very good, yeah. There's been a, an extremely upper-class version of the infamous uh, instance at the Glastonbury dance tent where the mm. uh, the poo wagon was accidentally put on blow <laughs> instead of suck. Um, <laughs> that was no oh, accident. God. That was no accident, <laughs> yes. This story is so good that the the, the Guardian City AM and the Sun have all used the same headline, Eat and Mess, Posh yep. Schools Hit by Lav's Blockage. The Sun has gone to, gone to town on this one. Uh, just, it's just squeezing in extra headlines wherever it can. Not so flush, it says here. <laughs> Little speech balloon, wish we'd gone to a bog-standard comp. Privileged pupils at elite boarding school Eaton College have been told to stay at home because its sewers are flooded. Boys at the £50,000 a year seat of learning, seat of learning, <laughs> were due back in class on Tuesday after the Christmas break, but plans went down the pan after constant rainfall and flooding overloaded the sewerage system. There we go, you see, 50 grand a year and you're knee-deep in posh poo. Marcus, you're posh. Did you go to Eton? (laughs) (laughs) I did not go to Eton. I am posh. Obviously, I know lots of people who did go to Eton. (laughs) Of course. Um, And I think, and uh, you know, I think the post office story is a really good example of this, that if 
the story of this particular turd can be told in a suitably compelling way, we can get to the bottom of what's happened here. I would love to see, and, you know, these things take time, but I'd love to see Toby Jones... Uh, playing a turd, moving through Slough. <laughs> Poor Toby Jones. Towards, towards Eton. No, it's a compliment. It's okay. a compliment to the man. I think he could. Uh, I think he could do it. <laughs> moving through Slough towards Eton and really find out how this has happened. I mean, my guess is. Thames Water have said, yeah, sorry, this has happened. It's it's one of ours. Now, I really, really hope that a Bisquillionaire uh, shareholder at Thames Water has at least one child at Eton and is having to go, yeah, sorry, chaps, this is slightly on us. Um, Apparently, uh, Thames Water's Slough Sewage Treatment Works, just upstream of Eton, has been discharging pollution continuously for over 60 hours since the 5th of Jan. In the last six months, they've dumped sewage there for 356 hours 16 minutes well there you go it's a lot of poo and it is uh, anyone who's ever driven past slough on the m4 it is a remarkable sewage works it makes its presence known yeah there um so yeah. <laughs> i just like the idea that the, the sign outside says just upstream from eton you know yeah, 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 a lot yeah, of cursive yeah. font <laughs> Now, here at Paper Cuts, headlines are our life's blood. We just love them. Can we start today's headlines, Andrew, by turning to the back pages? Yes, for a, for a rare sports special. Well, I'm a Liverpool fan, and it was a good night for us last night because we beat uh, Fulham in the uh, in the Carabao Cup. And uh, the Cody Gakpo, the Caravan Cup, Carabao. It's sponsored oh, I by thought a you car- said the Caravan Cup. <laughs> That's a different cup. Yeah, uh, no, Carabao. It's a it's a drink of some sort. I don't know what it's made of, but in fact, basically, what happened was Cody Gakpo came off the off the bench uh, to score the winner, and this has given us some good headlines. So the I sub sinks Fulham. Get it? Sub sinks. Oh, yes. Um, and these, my, my personal favourites, the star, Cody Gakpo, the star, mind the gak. Now it's like, hmm, mm. what are you trying to say there? Hold on, doesn't that mean something else? Also, Daily Express, gak of the net. I would not have thought the uh, oh, Express oh. would be put on the ball with that kind of thing. They're all going with the gak. They absolutely are. Um, the sun is uh, is rather strange because uh, this keeps Liverpool on course for a quadruple in the distant, distant possible future. It's not looking you know, particularly nailed on. Their, uh, their headline is Lucky Quads, which I think Lucky Quads, Quadruple, not so great. I don't think I get that. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, Lucky Sods. And oh, mir- oh, OK. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, oh, um, and the mirror goes with Cody Red. Oh, uh, get OK. Get it, Code Red, Cody Red. So it's a clean sweep for the Mighty Reds on the back pages. And Marcus, unusually, you've got one in the Times. Yeah, big pun in the Times and well worth it. A TikTok star whose father was a mafia boss in Naples has launched a fragrance named after him. And the headline is... Good smellers. That's Smelly how? Smelly yeah, how? I'm smelly I, to you. I, I, I smell to you. I smell funny to you. I'm, I'm aromatic to you. <laughs> smelly like a clown. So, I mean, it is, it is hard to know how much her, you know, exactly what her dad did. But he was like an important senior mobster. But when she put about this new fragrance on TikTok. Someone said he was a truly generous gentleman and another said, men of honour like your father with real values who looked after their people and were liked by all are born no more. So there's some people who are still scared of him even, yeah. though, he's, <laughs> even though he's dead now. But, Death is uh, no guarantee. Does she say at any point, for as long as I can remember, I always wanted to be a perfumier. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to smell like a mobster... Get yourself some of this. (laughs) 
the sun next, Greg's is going global with plans to sell its sausage rolls and steak bakes abroad. Mmm, lucky foreign people. Uh, <laughs> Have they not suffered enough? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, to be fair, um, I haven't had a Greg's sausage roll, but everyone I know who's had one, including their vegan one, says they're really, really I nice. I have had them and they are really nice. I've, there you go. Ones. You heard it here. Full sponsorship from Greg's at this point. Anyway, sidetracked. Greg's is going global and the brilliant pun here is go forth and multi-pie. Hey! <laughs> oh, well That's done, making then. me hungry for pies right That's now. genuinely a very pleasing thing to say. Uh, this is an absolutely cracking story in the star and it's got, you've got to look it up, listeners, look it up because the picture is breathtaking. So the story is this. The world's longest hula hoop has sparked a bidding war on eBay. And I'm looking at it now, and it, in no way is it a hoop. It's a hula tube. Uh, right, uh, uh, gosh. Best. It looks like something, and I don't want to describe what it looks like. Yes, exactly. Anyway, the headline is, because it's worth so much money on eBay, moolah hoops. Moolah hoops. Uh, and I love the pun. But not as much as I love the picture of a hula hoop that is longer than a big man's finger. <laughs> not just a big man's finger. Stop it, Andrew. <laughs> that's, that's all <laughs> I'm saying. Yourself. <laughs> I, they, I think they should start selling uh, hula hoops, hula tubes in that size, because yeah. the, the markup on that will be enormous yeah. for Hindus and things. And for fellow uh, fellow gourmands, you will be wanting to know it is a salt and vinegar hula uh, hoop right. uh, in question. Now, light some candles, kick off your fluffy slippers and prepare yourself to slip into the nice warm bath of the features sections. Except it's Thursday, which is the day the Daily Mail does its female section. Pretty much the print equivalent of somebody lobbing a toaster into your nice warm bath. (laughs) (laughs) And today's female leads on a lengthy story trailed on the Mail's actual front page of the newspaper about a subject that has come up in the news a few times recently. Surrogacy. Andrew, what's the story here? Well, this is a woman called Olivia Morel. Uh, The headline is, I was born via a surrogate, but now I'm convinced it's a cruel act that should be banned. This is is a really sad story. A woman who was born to surrogate parents and tells a story of how it left her feeling disconnected. She felt she had no real bond with her mother. She uh, It's the male, so she descends into drink and drugs and has to, has to fight her way out of that. But what kind of sticks out of this story is not so much that surrogacy is the problem that's left her with serious issues in life. It's that the parents who brought her up sound like absolutely awful, awful people. Mm. I think that's her issue. Uh, my French parents were very wealthy. We split our time between Palm Beach in Florida and the south of France, living in fabulous homes with a full complement of nannies and staff. Materially, I wanted for nothing, but emotionally, it was a different story. Blah, blah. Talks about how, uh, you know, how little affection she got from her parents. Uh, she said it's down to that lack of precious biological connection. I was so needy as a young child, I would screen the place down and my parents left the house. It got so bad, they had to take me and a nanny with them if they went out to have dinner with friends. Or look after her yourself. You don't have to take a fucking nanny, be a parent. So what what is sticking out of this story to me is she's kind of pinned it on on, on surrogacy and she talks about her campaigns have um, surrogacy banned. And to me, it just looks, I mean, I, you know, we all know people who've had surrogate kids or many people who've had surrogate kids who've been brought up fine because what is required is loving parents in a loving home. And I think her problem here is that, that's not, that it's not the surrogacy, it's the lack of loving parents in a loving home. 
And there is a kind of political context for this, isn't there? I mean, obviously, this week we've had the Pope call for a global ban on surrogacy. um, And there is a sort of political movement coming from the evangelical right in the US, as it often does really kind of to ban surrogacy, partly because they just don't like gay people having children. Well, it's a lot of things. It's 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 uh, it's natalist. It's keep women barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. And you yep. see it around people like the new conservatives here, um, Miriam Cates and her horrible mates. The headline the mail has chosen for, um, for, for the main spread is, I feel for women who can't have children, but we can't all have what we want in life. Wow. Oh, yeah? Uh, don't I mean, don't you tell us we can everywhere else. Exactly. There's, you know, obviously there's, there's truth in that, but you, but writing it down is so cruel and so stupid. It's it, it points at, at such a narrow area of a massive, really emotional subject, and, yeah. and it's why I I so hate stories like this because her story, from her point of view, is absolutely valid. You, yeah, the the pain she has lived screams out line after line in in that story. And the pain, from my point of view, manifests itself in dreadful cruelty in how she expresses things. She says, for example, you know, that when her daughter was born, she wanted home births. Unfortunately, one of them had to be hospitalised. I mean... Yes, certainly that's how things used to be done, but it is a privilege. It's it's the it's the realm of the privileged who can have a doula and a midwife come to your house and all the rest of it. Anyway, she talks about skin to skin contact immediately after birth, which most people will tell you is great and really important. And also loads and loads of people cannot do it for, for really complicated reasons that keep babies alive and keep mothers alive in after and during childbirth and stuff. And she says, um, skin to skin contact as, as mother nature intended and stuff. And that loads of the language in this is really cruel, yeah. really exclusive. And, uh, yeah. And just, I guess, uh, yeah, I just felt like I could sort of see her pain yeah. in, in every line. As a woman, no, well, I mean, I haven't had any experience of surrogacy, so, and I would totally agree with Marcus that I don't want to contradict this particular woman's account, which, of course, is her valid experience. Yeah. Mm. But I do think there is an extent here to which she is being weaponized as part of a larger campaign, which actually is, as we've said, kind of quite anti-women, anti-LGBTQ, all of that, you know, it's, and you can sort of see it in some of the phrases, as usual, this is a piece that she hasn't actually written, it's as told to. So what's happened is that a male journalist, sorry, M-A-I-L, to be clear, Daily Mail journalist, has re, you know, sort of put her Mm. words together. Mm. So it's interesting that they've picked out some phrases and words, which, which she may well feel, but which do underline, as I say, that sort of quite evangelical religious agenda, such as, you know, when she talks about being a parent herself, she said, has only crystallised the view, the sacred bond between mother and baby is, I feel, something that should never be tampered with. Well, I mean, that gets us into all sorts of worlds where, you know, you're talking about things like adoption or, Mm. you know, kids who don't grow up with a mother. There's all sorts of reasons why that happens. And it's sort of, I mean, I'm not sure it is a lighter note, but The Times too, the feature section of The Times, also has a story. Again, it's trailed it on the front page of the whole newspaper, why women fall out of love with their husbands. And inside the paper, the story has a bit of a different headline, possibly an answer. My snoring on the sofa was a vibe killer. (laughs) Now, Marcus, we've got different... Kind of stories here from men and women who who've experienced this. We have, and What's they're all really compelling. Uh, so, <laughs> women fall out of love far faster than their husbands, according to new research. Three writers on how to spot the signs that it's all going wrong. I mean, they have nailed this. I got to say, they've nailed it. Uh, I could see within a line that this was all going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
the first heading here is by ex-husband, 47, and it says, breastfeeding was the hill our marriage died on. And you're like, oh, Uh-oh. no. Uh-oh. <laughs> Danger, uh, Will Robinson. He says, on that topic, he says, the next thing was breastfeeding. I had no idea this was the hill a marriage could die on. The incredible pressure my wife felt she was under to feed naturally was a shock to me. Oh, you Burke. <laughs> you absolute Burke. <laughs> do, do some, listen, um, it's really hard having kids. It's really, really difficult raising babies into children, into young adults. It's really, really difficult. Ask some questions before you do it. To have arrived uh, as a father and go, well, my wife was all weird about breastfeeding. <laughs> fucking idiot. Anyway, he also spent a fair bit of time lying head back on the sofa, mouth open, snoring and to be fair to him he's not baffled that she that she left (laughs) she asked why is henry hoover named after a man angrily wow Uh, and he he describes her angrily driving the snout under my legs if you're sex tips from the times (laughs) angrily driving your snout if you're sitting there while your wife jams the end of the henry hoover under your legs and you kindly lift them out of her way uh, you're in trouble. And, and I speak, I speak as someone who has crashed a marriage, by the way, so I've got some <laughs> Was it the Henry Hoover? No, it wasn't okay. that. It wasn't. Towards the end of the piece, he says, I wonder if women idealise married life more than men and so they have further to fall. So I'm, it's good to know it's her fault. Yeah, the exactly. High expectations, that was the problem, love. And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to Andrew Harrison. Thank you, Alex. Thanks to Marcus Brigstock. Thanks for having me. You know, you could join us in the Paper Cuts Supporters Club. Just £3 a month gets you ad-free episodes and extended editions, plus paper cuts, t-shirts and mugs. Don't mug yourself off. Head over to back.papercutsshow.com and follow the link in the show notes. I've been Alex von Tunzelman and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when a tourist site in China has hired two men to dress up as monkeys, sit in a cave and be fed bananas by tourists. They're looking for a third, so if you want a thousand quid a month to dress up as Monkey King Sun Wukong, apply to the Taihang Wujistan Scenic Era and prepare to go ape. See you tomorrow. The nature of monkey was irrepressible. (laughs) (laughs) Papercuts was written and presented by Alex von Tunzelman with Marcus Brigstock and Podmasters group editor Andrew Harrison. The producer was Liam Tate. Assistant producer was Adam Wright. And audio producer was me, Jade Bailey. Music is by Simon Williams. Socials by Jess Harpin and Kieran Leslie. Design by Jim Parrott with original art by Modern Toss. The executive producer is Martin Boytosh and the managing editor is Jacob Jarvis. Papercuts is a Podmasters production. 